The reading today is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. The Resurrection of Christ Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received on and which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not deserve even to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the title of today's talk, the title that I was given, was Looking forward to Easter, the climax of history. And the idea of this sermon is really to get us ready for Easter. In fact, it's not so much a sermon, but more of a pep talk, something to make us more courageous and confident as we go out into the streets, into our lives as we approach Easter. So it's a bit of... Uh, Henry V before Agincourt, or Eddie Jones before sending England out against Ireland yesterday, although that one didn't work so well, did it? So, we're here having this talk about Easter because Easter is just around the corner. And the reality is that although all the shops are filled with masses of Easter stuff, not everyone knows what Easter is about. In the country that we live in right now, this is our reality. There was a poll in 2017 that asked people to name five things that they associated with Easter. And the thing that was most associated with Easter, the thing that was most popular, you guessed it, was Easter eggs, with 76% of the people saying Easter eggs. The second thing that was associated with Easter was a day off, a bank holiday, 67% of people. The third thing that was associated with Easter, which ironically has the symbol of the cross upon it, was hot cross buns. And the fourth thing, with 55% of people associating it with Easter, was Jesus. The Son of God who died for us was associated with Easter by just over half of the people in our country. And that figure was much lower for those in younger generations. 
So here we are, just two weeks before the big day, and lots of people all around us don't know what Easter is about. So we're thinking about Easter now because we need to be more courageous and confident about telling people about Jesus and Easter. We need to explain whenever we can that without Jesus, there would be no Easter. Our reading today is the first written account of Easter. Paul wrote this letter in about 54 AD, about 20 years before the Gospels were first written down. This is the good news the Christian faith brings to people's lives. If you look at verse 2, Paul says, by this news, by this gospel, we are saved. Jesus died for our sins, just as the scriptures had said. Jesus was raised again to new life, just as the Old Testament had predicted. And that resurrection life is now promised to all. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. This is the fact upon which our faith is formed. Paul goes on to list all the people to whom Jesus appeared after he was risen from the dead. First Peter, then the twelve, then five hundred or more, then many, uh, uh, many of those still alive to testify, and then James, and then the apostles, and finally to Paul on the Damascus Road. Easter is all about Jesus. It celebrates his death and resurrection. Without Jesus, there would be no Easter. And it's also fair to say that without Easter, we probably wouldn't know very much about Jesus either. Because there were plenty of other people around at that time who claimed to be the Messiah. Just a few decades later, there was a man called Simon bar Kokhbar, Simon the son of a star, who led the Jewish people in a rebellion against the Roman Empire. And that rebellion lasted for three years until it was crushed by Hadrian. Simon promised to set the Jewish people free, but he failed to live up to that promise. And now he has a small page on Wikipedia devoted to him. But Jesus, Jesus who had no army, just a small bunch of truculent disciples, Jesus who had no wealth, who left behind nothing but one robe to be gambled over, Jesus who had no power base, who stood alone against the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, Jesus has, at this point, 2.3 billion followers in the world today. And that number goes on increasing. So how do we sum up the good news of Easter for those around us? I want to suggest that there are three things that Easter brings us that are far better than a Yorkie Easter egg. The first is that Easter shows us that God loves us. That message is summed up in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. God 
gave us Jesus to reveal his love for us. It's all very well saying that you love someone, but in the end, you need to do something to show them that those words are true. My uh, wedding anniversary, our wedding anniversary, happens each year in March. And it happens on the same day in March each year, but somehow that date often eludes me. And so this year, as has happened before, I came down on the morning of our uh, wedding anniversary and there was a card from Debs on the table. Uh, my wife, uh, always ready, always prepared, a lovely card in a gold envelope. And I had to make my lame excuses about being too busy and not having time to get to the shops, as I often do. But that lunchtime, I made sure that I made time to go down to Smith's to stand in front of the banks of cards, to pick one that said, I love being married to you. Because actions speak louder than words, don't they? We can say we love someone, but we need to show that love in real and concrete ways. And God decided to show his love for us by sending Jesus, who on that first Easter, made the most outrageous act of love that the world has ever seen by dying on the cross for us. They say actions speak louder than words, and we know that it's true. God loves us because he died for us. And this pandemic has shown again that many people live lonely, isolated lives that are devoid of love. So many people think, if they think about God at all, that God is out to get them, that God is cross with them for breaking the rules. And that was the view in the time that Jesus lived, that you had to make sacrifices to God or the gods in order to keep them happy, to prevent them punishing you. But then at Easter, that first Easter, God stepped in and showed that he loved us. He became a man. He took on flesh and he died on a cross in agony and pain in order to set us free from sin and death. Easter tells us that we are seen, we are known, we are loved. It's hard to believe sometimes. I know there are days when I don't feel very lovable. Some of us have trouble believing that God would actually love us. But this is the truth of Easter that Jesus died for us. And we must remember that it was Mary who Paul leaves out of this list of people who saw the risen Lord. It was Mary who first was the first person to meet the risen Jesus. Mary who was ashamed and shunned. Mary who'd been delivered of seven demons. Mary met Jesus and Jesus calls her by name. And she knows that she is loved. So that love forms the foundation of that first witness statement as she goes and tells the disciples that Jesus is alive. We need to pass on the message that Easter is all about love. The love that God shows to us in giving himself in our place so that we might live again. And then the second great thing about Easter is forgiveness. 
Because all the stuff that we do, all the stuff that we're ashamed of, that we're guilty of, can in the end become like a huge sack of rubbish that we have to pick up and carry about each and every day. And the only way to get rid of all of that shame and guilt is to lay it down. And there needs to be a place to lay it down. There needs to be a person who gives us the permission to lay it down. And we have Jesus and we have the cross where we can lay that burden down. There needs to be a better way to get rid of that shame and that guilt, a better way than taking drugs or pouring another drink. Jesus paid the price for all of us, the perfect human, dying for all the others who are messed up in so many ways, for you and for me. When I was a curate in the Winchester Diocese, I would sometimes go and be a pastoral a visitor pastoral support person in Winchester Cathedral. That meant going around with a collar on and looking for people who might be distressed or upset, who might want to talk or share something. And one day I was praying in one of the chapels that are kept for silent prayer. And as I looked across, there was a man with a, his head in his hands and he was obviously visibly upset. So I went across and sat next to him and I said, um, can I help you? Do you want to talk? And immediately someone behind me went, shh, um, which made it clear that it was a chapel for silent prayer. And so we got up. I said, let's go somewhere else and we can talk. And we went into the choir in Winchester Cathedral and we sat there and he explained to me that his wife had just died and he hadn't been able to face going to see her in the hospice each and every day. So instead of going every day, he'd gone just a few times a week. And she died on one of those days when he wasn't there. And he felt so terribly guilty for not being there with her. And the place that we were sat was just before, just in front of the big screen that stands behind the altar in Winchester Cathedral. And on that screen, there are... Uh, lots of carvings of different figures and at the center of that screen there's a huge figure of Jesus on the cross and I was able to point the man to Jesus and say look he died on that cross to set you free he died so that you might know and have forgiveness and as I said those words the man gave a big sob and a sigh and forgiveness started to do its amazing work in his life, in his soul. Forgiveness is the antiseptic that cleans out the wounds that we accumulate that allows us to move on healthy and whole. We need to pass on this forgiveness because this forgiveness really matters. So Easter is about love and Easter is about forgiveness. And then thirdly, Easter is great because now, because of Easter, we no longer need to fear death. Jesus died once for all. So his resurrection means that we can look forward to resurrection life. This is the hope that makes all the difference we don't need to be afraid of death. 
and our society for decades has denied death. We've hidden death away. We've passed it on to intensive care units and hospices. We've passed our dead on to funeral directors so that they can deal with all the messy bits. And so people, when anyone around them dies, are often surprised that death has intruded on their lives. But that's changed, hasn't it, in this last year. We've been faced with death in a very new and real way. Every night on the news at 10, we get a tally of how many have died from COVID-19 in the last 24 hours. Death is all around us now. And we have a really important message to pass on in this time. We need to pass on the message that we no longer need to fear death. It used to be said that there were two certain things in life, death and taxes. But I want to suggest that this year has brought two others to light for me. The two things that I now uh, appreciate in a new way due to this pandemic is that God is with me because without God being with me, I wouldn't have got through this last year. And I think I've appreciated afresh that I will be with God forever at some point in the future. God is with me and I will be with God forever. This is the reality that we live in because of Easter. Because, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. We are saved by grace through faith. And now we can look forward to eternal life in him. C.S. Lewis, in his brilliant book, uh, The Screwtape Letters, I don't know if you've got a copy, uh, if you've got time in lockdown, it's always uh, worth a read. If you haven't read the Screwtape Letters, then do take a look. In that book, C.S. Lewis says that there are four types of time. There's the past, the present, the future, and eternity. And the present is the point at which time touches eternity. The present is the point at which time touches eternity eternity. And so one of the tactics of the devil, Lewis suggests, is that he gets us to focus on the past about things that we have done and things that can never be changed. Or he gets us to look forward to the future, to the things that we can't control and that are out there, uh, are a mystery to us. When what God wants us to do is to live in the present, because the present is the point at which time touches eternity. And if you want to see why, then we look at Jesus, because Jesus was always living in the present, wasn't he? He showed us how to live in the present. When he was on the way to raise Jairus' daughter, he stopped to bless the woman who touched his cloak. When he goes into Jericho, he sees Zacchaeus up a tree, even though the crowds are all around him. And as he's leaving Jericho to go to Jerusalem, he stops to heal blind Bartimaeus and make him a disciple too. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough troubles of its own. Jesus wants us to live in the present. He was able to live in the present because he knew he was made for eternity. And we can live more successfully in the present if we know that we are made for eternity.
We don't need to fear death because we too have a place in heaven. That's what our study of Revelation has shown us in these last weeks. There will be a day when our fragile bodies will be transformed into an indestructible, always and forever body, just like Jesus' resurrection body. Because Jesus was raised to new life, we have this hope set in us, a sure and certain hope. And so all of history is measured around this completion of God's rescue plan that happened at that first Easter. We have BC, before Christ. We have Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Because we're still living in the years of our living Lord. Easter really is the climax of history. We have this evidence that we are loved. We have this sign, this sure and certain sign that we are forgiven in the cross. And we no longer need to fear death because we know that we will be born into eternal life. That's some good news to pass on, isn't it? Something worth telling the people around us about. Something worth celebrating and sharing. Because this promise of hope is made for all people. So let's this Easter try and pass on that hope just to someone around us and share something of the love and forgiveness and the hope of Easter that we hold. Let's pause and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, who in the power of your Holy Spirit lived and died and rose again for us on that first Easter. We pray that we may know that we are loved because he died for, uh, for us. We ask that your Spirit would confirm that love in the hearts of each one of us now. Come, Lord, and help us to know your love right now. And we ask that we might each have a fresh understanding of the freedom that your forgiveness brings into our lives. And may we seek to share this forgiveness with those around us. And we long, Lord, to live in the sure and certain hope of resurrection to eternal life. May we know for sure in our hearts, in our minds, deep in our souls, that when we trust and believe in you, we know that we will be raised to new life. Take away all fear of death from us and help us this Easter to proclaim your good news, the good news that saves us. In Jesus' name, amen.